Welcome everyone to Dead Talk Live. I'm your host Viz and today we welcome writer, director, and star Leroy Koons from the upcoming film Deliver Us, which is premiering in theaters and on demand September 29th. Leroy, welcome to the show. Congratulations on the film. Deliver Us takes the viewers on a journey that will have them long debating the film after it's over. So you guys did an excellent job and it's a pleasure to talk with you today. So let's get right to it. Now, uh, both you and Crew Ennis, who was supposed to join us today but had a last-minute emergency, uh, wrote, directed, and you star in the film. When did you and Crew meet and start your collaboration, not just for this film, but for everything? Uh, so we met at uh, USC Film School. I was at film school with uh, Isaac, who's also the cinematographer and uh, another producer. And... Um, I was just acting in another director's short film and crew was an actor there and we just hit it off. Uh, my brother, actually me, my, me and my brother wrote it together um, and we actually met crew um, there at USC. Wow. Now, Leroy, uh, as you guys came up with this story, how did it start to take shape? This is a very complex story. It involves many different elements. How did this idea first take root? So the idea was actually from my father. I was visiting home and we were at a brewery together and there was this baby playing on the floor and we had to kind of keep an eye on the child because it was just insane that they would uh, leave them there. And my dad uh, has always pitched me ideas. He's like, okay, you gotta listen to me. I have this idea for a movie. And it's about a nun pregnant with twin babies. One's the antichrist and one's the Messiah. And then I was just like, dad, that's the best idea I've ever heard. And I talked to my brother about it. Um, and we have both have a strong Catholic background mm -hmm. and we're really interested in, uh, uh, I guess like theology and philosophy. And, um, uh, we me and my dad and my brother, we'd like, we'd all read the same books together and the, the brothers Karamazov, that uh -huh. story, the chapter in it, the grand inquisitor yeah. was a huge influence to kind of get this whole film started besides our background in the Bible. And I think we just drew upon that and then our studying of uh, lots of other religions and trying to find that common thread in, in a sort of like Joseph Campbell side, sort of way. Uh-huh. And it just mm -hmm. took off from there. Now, yeah. uh, you are one of the main stars, if not the main star of the film. Uh, since both you and crew directed this, did you leave a lot of the behind the camera work to him while you focused on being the star? Or were you as equally active behind the camera as crew was? I would say that I obviously had a, a big part, especially in the planning of it, mm -hmm. but that uh, between crew and Isaac together, I could uh, lean on them to do a lot of that and making sure we got it. I think that what's great about us being two directors is that we're good at two separate things. Mm -hmm. and really uh, work off each other and support each other what we do best. And absolutely. And then you can just let go because you trust your partner and he trusts you yeah. and you guys can go and do your own thing. Now, your character, Father Fox, uh, very complex, a priest, sort of an exorcist, but you've broken your vows of celibacy and you're getting ready to leave the church. This all happens in the beginning of the film. How would you describe your character at the beginning of this film? I would say that he's still a man of deep faith um, and that uh, 
when he falls in love and surprisingly a lot of priests from my research do fall in love and have relationships outside of that and they remain priests and i got the idea i remember i was reading a book by pope francis and he said something uh along those lines that we quote is that it's better to be a um a good christian rather than a bad priest and that's a line in the movie too Yes. Uh huh. Um, and I think that that meant, and I don't know if I necessarily agree. I think pre, a Catholic priest should be able to get married, like the way that deacons are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, he decides to just focus. He's from Canada, so he's going to move back to where he's from. He has family there to, you know, raise his family and maybe become a deacon, you know. And, exa- and that's explained to him in the movie as well, where the whole celibacy part is rooted in tradition, not so much in the dogma of Catholicism, basically saying it's sort of like an old tradition that the Catholic Church just still adheres to. Now, the story revolves around prophecy and, like you said, takes into account a lot of different ancient cultures for that prophecy. Uh, Tell us the importance of that, more than you did already. I mean, expand on that scope. Uh, The cultures were like uh, Arcadian, and then you go back to even more ancient civilizations. How did that all play into the whole thing? Yeah, so it starts with uh, Zoroastrianism. So it's an Iranian temple is where that's happening. And something that's fun for people to know is that Freddie Mercury was a, a Zoroastrian. Oh, wow. And yeah, it's one of the first um, religions that talks about a single God. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's really the fundamental principle is this duality between good and evil. And there's there's like debate uh, about whether or not, but that was a precursor to Christianity, mm-hmm. that, that idea, a lot of, of it. And so if we were going to try to connect them all together, we thought that that would be the perfect religion to explore um, that would then be connected to everything else. As if as if every religion is like scrapping at these these truths that are yeah. there, mm-hmm. it's always kind of concealed to them. Now, um, the film starts off. uh Right at 60 miles per hour, if not faster. Uh, it gets very graphic, very quick. How did you guys to start to film that, decide to start to film that way? We, we wanted to start it with something that introduced the prophecy and also something that was evil and felt visceral and it wasn't uh, shy on it. Because <laughs> especially since the rest of our film is like a slower burn. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And... You- it definitely yeah. was not shy on the visceral part. I mean, it grabs you right away. What I noticed about uh, the directing technique, and a lot of this was done directing and in post-production, but you guys use a lot of what I call the quick take, the quick scene. A uh, good example is when you're standing on the stairs and a door opens behind you, and it's really amplified by the music as well. It really draws out the uh, emotions and the scare factor in the uh, viewer itself. Is that something that both you and crew both appreciate as directors, filmmakers, uh, shooting a sequence in that sort of manner? So that would be a great example of where crew really excels at is uh, sound and imagining and those scares and making sure those uh, timings were right. Mm-hmm. For example, that would be that moment was one where crew just completely took over in terms of it needs to happen exactly this time, this way. I have this the sound in my mind about how we're going to build it. Um, so that that's a yeah, 
that answers your earlier question. Truth be told, it scared the crap out of me. Okay. And, <laughs> and I had to rewind it and watch it again. There's nothing in the scene that is scary. It's all the music. The music yeah. is what makes your heart stop. And it's it's a split second, but it scared the crap out of me. Now, uh, Alexander Siddig plays Cardinal Russo, who yeah. seems to be a very conflicted character. He believes uh -huh. in the prophecy. He believes, uh, as opposed to Father Fox and what's going on with the nun, but he's hesitant to cross what I would call moral lines. When you guys were creating the character, what were your intentions with him? So that would be where it was influenced by the Grand Inquisitor, and mm -hmm. especially his character is someone who is good, like in their deep down, but uh, performing evil in the sense that he thinks he knows better. Yeah. And if, if for people who aren't familiar with the story in the Grand Inquisitor, it's about the second coming of Christ during the Spanish Inquisition. Mm -hmm. And the Catholic Church actually imprisons Jesus, and he just gives them this lecture about how they know better and that he failed humans, uh, giving us this much freedom and that we aren't capable of it. Mm -hmm. And so Vox Day in that spirit is carrying that out, thinking that they're protecting humanity and, and people in general. Um, that's brilliant. Having their own that's yeah. now that's brilliant now uh when it came to how you were going to play your character out did uh you and crew have a lot of discussions or was that really left entirely up to you uh how we were going to see father fox played on the screen so i would say just about everything is uh we discussed together but for the most part uh a big crew is like exactly how we introduce him with the camera mm-hmm um, and then us working through about uh, making sure that he starts somewhere because I don't want to give away, but he goes to a place hmm. that you might not expect. And so that it, that um, it would, you'd be expecting it a little bit based, but it, it's, it's like more um, contained. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it without giving away any spoilers. There are a lot of tributes, not a lot, but several tributes to past films. The Shining, quick reference there. But another one that really stood out to me, I don't know if you've even seen the movie, The Omen 3, The Final Conflict. Okay, uh, with Sam Neill in it. Uh, he played Damien. Uh, was that film ever discussed by you two as sort of, uh, I don't know, a backdrop, sort of kind of inspiration, or was it just by coincidence? You know, I actually hadn't seen The Omen 3 until after we shot it because... Mm. But I was like, okay, wow, this is kind of perfect because the film is supposed to be a trilogy. It's supposed to, when we actually first wrote it, it was the boys were older. Are we like, we, we, we went to that stage. Uh -huh. And now seeing the Omen 3, I'm like, wow, that's amazing uh, inspiration for future, for future. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, uh, behind the psychological horror, we sort of touched on this already. The movie had its fair share of bloody scenes. There was no lack of gore. Not as much as the great psychological horror that you guys brought us. How important was that to both of you? I think that that was definitely uh, a major theme. Is because in all of the religions, it's dealing with the, the like the limits that the human body has and how fragile and vulnerable vulnerable we are like there's mm -hmm. so much reference to flesh and so i think and if you read the bible the, the amount of gore that's in there that's mm -hmm. like kind of like hey 
think about this, meditate about this. Oh yeah. It's it's it to us. It seems like when done right, that it it serves a story or that I don't know that that thing that we long to or why we watch horror films in general. Exactly. Now take us deeper into your character's mind. Your character suffers some pretty significant tragedies as the film progresses, uh, but he doesn't, especially towards the middle and the second and third act. He doesn't really seem to show the emotions that we would expect. Would you say that is because everything is just happening so quickly? He's in a state of shock, or is he being controlled by another force? I think that uh, I would say his character is definitely inspired by Job in the Bible, who is having all of these absolute horrible things happen to him, and he is. A devout servant he's faithful and we take him and we just see how far you can you know uh push him whenever like his plans for his life with laura and uh, yeah. some of the things that without giving away uh don't work out for him. i got it starts i mean i gotta tell you coming up with the questions today was very tricky because <laughs> this is the kind yeah. of film where you really got to be careful because the the story so deep and it's very hard to come up with questions without you know dancing around the spoilers uh landmines i do have one final question um and i think you sort of touched on this a little bit in a prior question but you mentioned you wanted this to be a trilogy is that why yeah. the film was left with um the viewers at least up until for now have to sort of conclude what is going to happen what may happen uh, and the question is, do you really hope that you can continue to tell this story for what you said, at least another two films? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we uh, we envision it from the beginning being three films, maybe four films, because there's so much story that you can tell. I think it would depend whether or not we pick up right where we left off in the film or if we do jump 12 years into the future. And that's really the question of uh, that we have to answer for it. But, um, but it yeah. sounds like if, you know, it does proceed to a sequel and beyond that you already have the frameworks of the story sort of, you know, spinning around in your mind already. Oh, definitely. I have, I have a few versions of each one. <laughs> like, where to take it? I know what the end point is, and uh, I really would love to explore like a, a, a prequel with Vox Day, like maybe a thousand years in the, in the past. Wow. Uh, that sounds so, fascinating. But- that sounds fascinating. And Leroy, I want to thank you so much for coming on here and sharing your thoughts. Again, everyone, the film is called Deliver Us. It is coming to theaters, digital and on demand Friday, September 29th. You're not going to want to miss this one. It definitely takes you on a ride. Leroy, thank you for being our guest. I want to thank our audience, those of you who tuned in in the middle of the day today live, and those majority of you who will be watching this later on. On behalf of Leroy and myself, stay safe, stay walking. Bye, everybody. Awesome. Thank you, John.